Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey guys, in this episode, you are going to hear a live recording. Um, it was after the event that we were going to have a panel at was shut down, but unfortunately, Christopher was still stuck here in Dallas. So we used that time to record one more episode for you guys, and this is this is it. It does have a little bit of background noise because we were not able to record in an enclosed area, and I do want to say this was before the uh, city of Dallas was on lockdown. It was before restaurants and bars closed and things like that. So if that's concerning to you, just know that, that was this was recorded before any of that happened. I think at this point, uh, they shut down larger events of 500 people or more, but this is before those tighter restrictions were in place. Um, and if you don't like all that background noise, I understand. You can listen to uh, next week's episode. But uh, here we go. So I'm joined again by Michael and, uh, Cross and Christopher, our Mim, and we are going to talk about what today, guys? Them. Them. 1954's Them. Them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this movie came out in 1954, as you guys said. Um, I think I skipped through this last time in our panel, but I'm going to yeah. read the summary. Uh, You're going to just summary. put that back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll add that in later. Uh, so here's the plot, and as always, guys, um, we are not spoiler-free, so I would recommend you know, watching it first. But if you haven't seen it and you want to skip that part, here is the synopsis. Uh, while investigating a series of mysterious deaths, Sergeant Ben Peterson finds a young girl who is unable to speak. As Peterson joins forces with the FBI agent Robert Graham and scientist Dr. Harold Medford, he discovers that all the incidents are due to giant ants that have been mutated by atomic radiation. What else? Peterson and Graham, with the aid of the military, attempt to find the queen and destroy the nest before the danger spreads. Pretty much sums it up. Yeah, that's yep. it. That's yep. the plot. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's giant ants. There's giant ants. That's, the, that's a spoiler. They, they, must, that be, gets they over. must be stopped. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm assuming if you guys are tuning in, you've heard both Michael and Christopher on here before. Uh, but if not, uh, Christopher, did you want to introduce sure, yourself I'll, really fast? You know, just in case it's the <laughs> first time. Uh, so I am a filmmaker, uh, and I'm known for making what I call new, old, good, bad movies, which is I make cheesy 1950s-style B movies. Uh, I've made 15 to date. The 15th is coming out at some point, depending on current circumstances. Maybe pushed back a month. But, um, yeah, so I make cheesy movies, stuff like... Uh, uh, the monster Phantom Lake, or the giant spider, or uh, Attack of the Moon Attack zombies. of the Moon Zombies, mm -hmm. uh, the Beast Walks Among Us is the new one. Queen of Snakes. I mean, if the if these titles say anything about what I the kind of movies I make, you can see why I'm talking about 1954's Them. 
You got to say it like that. You do. You it's do. required to be said. Because, <laughs> because it does have an exclamation point. It does. Yes. Yeah. What, what about you, Michael? Them. Them. Right. Them. <laughs> Dear God, them. Uh, me, I help promote the films of Christopher R. Mim. Right. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as Michael Cross. If you type in Alfred, you'll also find me. Michael, Michael's the guy behind the guy behind the guy, basically, in yes. all things. Yes. yes. And later on today, we'll find out how they knew that I was related to the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, guys, um, I have a couple of quick facts that actually Gordon K. Smith uh, submitted to me. I have them in front of me, so I'm going to read a couple of them. So he kind of did my homework for me this time. Nice. Um, he mentioned what you said, actually, that the title has an exclamation point, mm -hmm. and in Restored Prince of the Film is in blood red against a black and white background. Which uh, I should say, uh, I totally ripped that off for my movie, The Giant Spider. <laughs> Almost every movie I've made has been in black and white, except one is in color, like uh, full color. But for The Giant Spider, because it was my giant bug movie, uh, the title card of when you actually see it say the giant spider is red with a blue shadow which is mm. what them did and I did that purposely as a tribute a, yeah. and I will say that that was not my idea that was actually uh, master monster maker Mitch Gonzalez who works on all my movies uh, and creates my monsters that was his idea and I was oh. like oh that's a great idea it's a little tip of the hat to them well yeah. I was reading I thought it was kind of interesting this was originally planned to be in color and 3d Wow. And okay. They, Which I kinda... they scrapped both, but you can still see it in cases where like the flamethrowers are coming straight at you. And being that it's such a great movie, it kind of would have been fantastic had they done it. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be great. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, it just didn't look good in color, and they scrapped the whole thing. Oh, okay. Well, they actually still caught, 3D. shot some test. Three D would have really been was... cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. You know, Gordon is similar to me in that he likes finding like Dallas connections since I'm based here in Dallas. And he said, without them, we would have no Davy Crockett. In early 1954, Walt Disney was looking for a tall, tough Western hero to start in his upcoming Wonderful World of Disney arc episodes, later cut into features on Davy Crockett. James Arnis was recommended to Walt and he requested a print of them to see the future Marshall Dillon in action. Just um, as Walt was nodding um, his head about Jim, he sees a scene with Fort Worth's own Vess Parker as the Texas brush pilot. Love at first sight. Walt Disney found his Davy, a role Parker would be identified until with um, would be identified with until his Daniel Boone series in the sixties. So he just kind of Very became cool. like the American pioneer guy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Much. Thanks, them. Oh, um, Fascinating. Leonard Nimoy has an uncredited early role as the soldier who reads the telegraph. Had no idea. Wow. Yeah. And then... It's uh, kind of like, um, you know, it's one of those those actors that you get to know very well later, right? Right, right, uh, right. Kind of like uh, Clint Eastwood shows right. up in, uh, was it Tarantula, right? Uh, or no. How about Creature? The second yeah, yeah like Creature, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like these small roles of people who become iconic actors when they're really just getting their start. Right, yeah. So cool. Yeah, it's like you're like, oh, well, that's all kind of around the same-ish time. Yep. So you're like, that makes sense. Yep. You know, they're actors. Uh, why no Ray? Ray Harryhausen was consulted at one point to do the ants by stop-motion animation. Then Warner Brothers made the decision to shoot the film as Color 3D, which you guys mentioned earlier, which at the time could not be done with, with stop-motion effects. So the ants were therefore depicted with animatronic puppets and very well done at that. But then two days before the start, Warner cut the budget and it was back to non-3D black and white. The black and white look may have worked in them's favor, giving it the distinctive sci-fi noir look. Watching them with this in mind, you can see how some shots were set up for 3D. Wade Williams, the man who claims to own both 
um, who, who own both Plan 9 from Outer Space and Invaders from Mars, claims the 3D cameras were instead sent to Fox for Invaders from Mars, requested in color but not 3D. The rumor is not confirmed, and the timeframes don't quite match up. The FX still earned an Oscar nomination, which lost to Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, you can get some idea of what the ants would have looked like in the stop motion with the 1957's Black Scorpion, a them semi-remake by Warners with animation uh, by Willis O'Brien, who is Harryhausen's mentor. And the guy behind? King, King Kong. Kong. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. I love learning all these little behind-the-scenes mm -hmm. stuff because it's like, I think you had mentioned uh, during our first panel that like the the looks of the ant influenced your look of Oh, absolutely. Spider, yeah. uh, and well, and you mentioned just then the black scorpion. There were things that we did in the giant spider that we specifically did to reference the black scorpion. So, the the big bug genre was huge <laughs> in the fifties. Uh, you know, you had them tarantula, earth versus, earth versus the spider. Uh, Beginning of the end with the giant grasshoppers, you know. I mean, it's just one it was, of my favorites. I yeah, that's Bird Eye Gordon's version, yes. basically, with uh, um, James Arness. Uh, Peter Graves is in that yeah, one. His yeah, brother. his brother. Yes. So yeah, which is I'm from Minnesota. Those guys are from Minnesota, so that's a nice little yeah. connection right there. Is there local you know, connection for you? Right. Um, and I was reading that that is the first giant bug movie. Really? That's, oh, really? That's huh. what they said, and said that all the others come after. So nice. This so, is the direct grandfather to the giant the granddaddy spider. of the giant spider, right? Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so just two more. I got also in 1957. James Arnest's younger brother Peter Graves starred in a low-budget knockoff of Them, beginning of the end with giant grasshoppers Which invading I just Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, by B movie legend Bert. Um, Bert I. Gordon. Bert yeah. I. Gordon. Uh, Done with badly blown up shots of real grasshoppers crawling all over photos of Chicago. I think it's fantastic because it's so obvious that they just printed out photos of, of buildings in Chicago and then just literally just shot. I mean, the thing about Bird Eye Gordon, and I know that this is not about him, is that he was the special effects guy first before, you know, before anything, he was the special effects guy. Okay. Then he was a director and he really liked to do uh, overblown large things. So he made uh, War of the Colossal Beast and the. Uh, the Amazing Colossal Man, which is, you know, and Cyclops are all about giant people. Yeah. Uh, and he did Earth versus the Spider, which is the giant spider movie. Uh, and he did Beginning of the End, which is giant grasshoppers. So, <laughs> uh, and he did, uh, did he do Attack of the Puppet People as well? I'm not sure if that was him or not. Hmm. Hmm. Which is small people. <laughs> uh, so my last one is uh, trying to figure out how James Arnest and James Whitmore start the film as respectively an FBI agent and New Mexico Highway Patrolman and in the final sequences become U.S. Army soldiers barking out orders and U.S. Army weapons. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, if we're talking about this era, 54, <laughs> they all served in the, you know, World War II, so they yeah. just go right back to it. Just like, right. all right, I guess I'm back in the Army again. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gordon. That is super helpful. Saved me some time, for nice. sure. <laughs> nice, um, So let's talk about when we first saw this movie. I'm going to get it out of the way really quick yep. and just say that I hadn't seen it before. Womp womp. Well, that's um. all right. <laughs> See, I feel so like if nothing else, So you Michael... just watched it within the last week? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I rented it on iTunes. It was two ninety nine, so nice. not bad. Well, I said, uh, if nothing else, Michael and I keep introducing you to some of the good exactly. old movies, right? I appreciate that. If nothing else, I, I feel like... Uh, the classics. The classics, yeah. right, especially from what I do. I mean, these are, this of all the movies in that era is one of my absolute favorites. Nice. I see. I think I gravitate towards, like, the noir films or, like, you know, the 
the top classics, you know. Mm -hmm. that, so when I go to look in the classic film genre, I think I'm zeroing in on like the musicals and things like that. So I think there's like all these other genres that you miss when you do that, you know. Well, and when you're dealing with the, the sci-fi and horror of that era, there's a lot of crap. <laughs> Just to yeah. be honest, there's a lot of subpar stuff, uh -huh. which I even like that, but that t that's a very specific sort of taste, right? <laughs> right. But, there are there are a handful that are I think just quality movies that sometimes get overlooked because mm -hmm. they look so cheesy by modern standards. Right. Because they're using old special effects, they're using mm -hmm. all this, you know. We're or just because of the genre. Right. Or that, just because oh, it's right. a giant anthem. Oh yeah, exactly. Be worth and I think yeah. we've been spoiled with special effects as modern people that we see you know these photorealistic things and CGI and these things you can do anything. Whereas back then they really had to come up with some interesting ways to do these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, the ants look kind of cheesy, but uh, it's still a great movie. Right. It's right. just really well made. Yeah, I used to have like a we we had like a set of like sci-fi films or I think that one was a little smaller it had like the time machine on it and you know mm. things like that like the highlights and so I think you kind of miss some of the yeah, yeah. the B movies you yeah. know so um, what about you guys when did you first see this movie then uh, I first saw it as a kid um, just on you know my, I started talking about this we did the creature from black lagoon yes the other night. check out that episode uh, too. right um, and you know my dad introduced <laughs> me to a lot of these things because he was a kid in the 50s so he'd go see these movies at the local theater so in the you know 80s early 80s when I was a kid um, we'd rent these things that he was so excited to finally see again you know because before the VCR, you know, you just That's had to true. hopefully get lucky that it was on TV. And so this one I always thought was just so cool as a kid because it was just, it's exciting. I mean, it's like... There's a lot of good action sequences. There's a lot of good action ants. sequences, yeah. especially for the era where, you know, some of those old movies can be paced really slow and this mm -hmm. one does not feel that slow. It feels much more modern. And you can yeah. see uh, where people like Ridley Scott was, you know... Um, Absolutely, yeah inspired by it, mm -hmm. uh, or at least influenced by it. Right. So uh, it feels a little more modern and it's just, it's more exciting, you know, yeah. it's like, and it's scary. I mean, mm -hmm. it's actually, there are some genuinely scary things, which Agreed. Um, a lot of those movies from the era by, I don't know, they're just not that scary. Right, right, right. right. But this one has some moments. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, the next thing we were gonna do is kind of talk about our favorite scenes. Um, and Michael, I think you kind of popped up in the chat first, so why don't you go ahead with your favorite? Oh, it's anything with the ants. Uh, that's eight-year-old me talking. As a kid, I had an ant farm. I really loved ants. The giant ant movie was just incredible. Um, so just any scene with that was just me going, yes, give me more. <laughs> yeah, and so um, we kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, the ants at one point we're going to be stop animation and then they went with animatronics and uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think that was a better decision? or? I love Harryhausen's work and the stop motion but I think the animatronics worked better for this film. It was a more real look mm -hmm. uh, where the animatronic, the uh, stop motion is a very stylized look. And right. Great for fantasy characters and stuff but they wanted a realism for this and I think the animatronics gave it that. That's a good point because I feel like in a movie like this where it's horror or you know suspense, it's like you want to be afraid with the character. Yeah. Whereas the fantasy one, it's like there's already that element of it's all fantasy, so yeah, you're yeah, sort yeah. of at a distance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, Christopher, what was your favorite scene? Um, I mean, there are a lot, um, <laughs> but I think one of the one of the best parts, one of the best 
parts of the movie is really the beginning. I feel yeah. like it really sets up just like the sort of the mystery of of the creepiness because you have the, yes. the traumatized child in the desert kind of thing, yeah. and they sh- you know the, the, the they show up and they're just like, what is what is going on? And then they really slow reveal the mm-hmm. damage that these creatures have done, right? Right. Where you just suddenly you see a car, but then it's slowly revealed, holy crap, there's part of it missing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they go into the like the trailer or whatever, and, and you know, it's it seems fine until they sort of pull back, and oh, whoa, okay, it's been destroyed, you know, what happened here? Mm-hmm. And they find the kid that won't even talk. Right. And honestly, too, I think part of it, being a filmmaker myself, one of my favorite parts about that is it very quickly sets up um, how well it's shot right Mm -hmm. uh just the the there's there's a use of black and white you know modern filmmakers don't really know how to do it the way they did back then they were masters of it right at that point and so this is one of those things where they said used to they were going to do in color i'm kind of glad they didn't honestly uh because the black and white photography in it is so like pristine and crisp and clear. Very vivid. Like, it is. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's that great film noir. Yeah, yeah. It really. It's yeah. really film noir. And so you have these stark shadows and just, it just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, again, from a film nerd, I think watching it again later in life, uh, you know, uh, especially after having made movies, uh, I was sort of struck by that. Just that beginning where it's like, wow, this really does a great job of like pulling you in and kind of setting a tone that's creepy yeah. Uh, in a way that, you know, a cheesy giant ant movie seems like it shouldn't be, but it's like, okay, no, they're serious. Let's do this, you know? And they really pull you in from that, the beginning moment of the kid just kind of, uh, you know, uh, in, in this stark desert, you know, area. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's just, that is, is one of my favorite things is because it really does, it just sets the tone and they keep it throughout. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think, you know, going back to what you were saying, Michael, the fact that we have to feel that sense of dread that they're feeling. Right. You know, it's always a good idea to like sort of hold back seeing that monster Mm -hmm. until later in the film. Like they do that in a lot of films like, you know, Jaws or, you know, other movies like that where it's like, let's build this up so that when we give the reveal, there's like an expectation. And if it was a a stop motion, I think that might have taken away. Well, I think so too. The thing with Harryhausen is that you looked at it with wonder. Yeah, it was like like fun to watch. So cool to watch, but it wasn't scary. Right. It wasn't horror. It was. Yeah. It was like look what they can do. I'm just really loving watching this. Yeah, it was. It's just an over the top like wow. They're showing me something I've never seen before. Yeah. But I think in this one, like I said in the beginning, it just it sets the tone of dread and just like because it doesn't just jump out at you right away it does kind of slowly build in a in in a very short time it it's it starts off one way and then it as they it's almost like they kind of pull back and start revealing more you start realizing oh wow something terrible has happened right yeah. uh, and they just sort of set that that what what is going on what is this you know and then to that that uh, the sound effect they put under everything yes. the ants the sort of the whistling the stressful <laughs> I love that. I even re- I even pulled that into the giant spider. It's very slight, but I made my own version of it. So when you do see the giant spider, we get that ant sound effect, which is another little tip of the hat to this. That's nice. Yeah, my favorite episode or my favorite part of this movie, and I'm showing my age a little bit here, uh, is probably the part that inspired Aliens. Um, it's where they go into the ant tunnels, uh, the scientists and the army. Um, and uh, there's a scene with the eggs, and the eggs of the ants like look really interesting, mm-hmm. and it looks very much like that scene where they stumble upon the eggs 
the alien ship. Um, right. So, or not the alien ship, but their ship. Um, but yeah, anyway, I like the way the ants look wriggling around in those mm-hmm. eggs, and there's even a you know blow torch type scene right. where they hose them all down. You can totally see where you know James Cameron yeah. got it, and well, even Ridley Scott. I mean, just. Even the look of like the egg chamber, you know, right. the whole thing about it, um, and the descent into the egg chamber too is like a great. I mean, that whole sequence right. is—it's creepy in a way that I think the '50s weren't ready for. Almost where it's like there's nothing else like it in that era, really, mm-hmm. where it's just so. That's the reason I like it. It's so yeah. effective, you know, in a way that still holds up. I think even scenes like seeing the eggs broken open, but nothing's there, right. and they're like, um, where are they? And yep. she's like, we gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You know, it's like, that creates an amount of dread that's bigger than just like, if one of those eggs burst and a bunch of them came out. Right. I mean, that's creepy, but the fact that they're not there at all, and you're like, looking around in the dark, like, oh God, where are they? Are like, they here? Yeah. Are they out in the world? Well, right. It's just Also, that they've already traveled. Right, yeah, They've yeah. traveled from New Mexico, where the nuclear test was, to Los Angeles. Right. Uh, and you can still see that sewer tunnel, by the way, in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so I think they do such a good job. Like you said, it does stand apart from other big creature movies, like, you know, even ones that I saw growing up that were yeah. sort of homages to this. They kind of skip that part. Yeah. Of like, I mean, like, I love, like, Tremors. Like, those are yeah. fun movies. Um, but they feel more fun than they do scary. It's like... You know, it's exciting. You want to see the creature. I think this movie, like, obviously, you still want to see the creature, and it's still giant ants, and that's fun. But they do a good job in the movie of sort of setting up that this is also scary. Right. Yeah. The same way that Alien or Aliens has that element to it. I, I think modern films have a tendency, especially modern, modern monster movies, especially big monster movies, mm-hmm. to just play it sort of comedically, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what people kind of expect. And I think part of that is Sharknado, just... Sharknado, you know. Yeah, it's, I think part of that is just the fact that, you know, um, looking back, we've, we've had so many, and the way a lot of modern audiences look at that era in mm-hmm. particular, they sort of see it as, oh, it's bad, so it's funny. I mean, I get, as a filmmaker who makes these cheesy monster movies, right, uh, if I don't make them funny, I get people who complain. They're oh. like, they're not funny. It's like, they're not supposed <laughs> to be. They don't have yeah. to be. And this is a really good example of where it's like, look, here's a good old movie with giant goofy ants, right? <laughs> uh, that is actually scary. It's not played as a joke at all, ever. It's yeah. like, no, these things are frightening and they're going to kill everyone and eat everyone and we won't be able to stop them, right? Yeah. And they play it as such. And I think that modern audiences um, would do well to watch this movie with sort of an open mind and not be like, I'm looking for something to laugh at, you know, Mystery right. Science Theater 3000 style, you know? Exactly, um, yeah. Which I love Mystery Science Theater 3000 because oh, I do great work for movies that are mostly unwatchable, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Manos, The Hands of Fate comes to mind. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this one like it deserves to be taken seriously yeah i think it earned that you know yeah. it's like um and, and i was surprised watching it that it had all those elements like i said i'm comparing it more to you know more serious mm-hmm. darker films than i am comparing it to just like um egg, eight-legged freaks or something yeah, right. you know which yeah, is just the funny. fear of atomic mutation yeah, in 1954 was still a pretty serious thing right yeah it's frightening yeah I mean, yeah we're within a decade of them having dropped an atom bomb yeah mm-hmm less than right so i mean sometimes i don't think people um sort of put themselves into that era you know where it's like to us it's it's somewhat ancient history like it's even outside of our our actual lifespans where that happened but 
to put yourself back in, oh yeah, like in less than a decade prior to this movie coming out, so they would have made it, you know, in 52, 53, uh, they used nuclear weapons. Yeah. For real, on people. They killed lots of people with nukes. Yeah. To us, that seems crazy sauce, right? But that was within their, like, immediate experience. Right. And so, in a way, the Ant movie is a social commentary on how horrific that is. Something mm -hmm. we did causes a ton of people to die in a really scary way, mm -hmm. and we don't know how to stop it. Right. You know? And it's like, what if instead of us doing that to someone else, it's here at home, and mm -hmm. how would that feel? Um, and what I was thinking of watching this movie because of that, and then also there's, again, in this film, kind of similar to The Creature of the Black Lagoon, there's, you know, a female scientist. Mm -hmm. The female scientist becomes like a trope later on. Right. It's like silly by the 80s and 90s almost. But at this time, it was like a commentary on women entering the workforce. And it makes me think of the fact that, you know, and a lot of times. being valuable yeah, beyond just right. cleaning up after. I mean, she was definitely pretty. But right, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and the boys that, were interested. That's Hollywood. But, that's just yeah. using sex and, to sell movies. Yeah, you right. Know? I mean, you and everyone's good looking that. in yeah. those movies I and mean, in great shape. That's right. what I mean. And you can see this change in the Godzilla films. Yeah. Mm. The first one of those was actually a pretty serious film. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. even the American version with the Raymond Burr stuff at mm -hmm. it was very serious. And then Godzilla obviously goes into just pure joke category pure after yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. More uh, The 60s, sort of late 60s and the 70s stuff where it becomes, yeah. you know, you got, you know, baby Godzilla and the kids. And, I mean, it's just like, you <laughs> know, it became. Yeah, it becomes. <laughs> that's stupid. Uh, my kids love the, the Godzilla Gazuki. the Godzilla cartoon yeah. and they, they wore out the DVDs they oh had. Oh my gosh, how so, funny. Yeah, Godzuki. Yeah. Uh, Godzuki. Because I was getting in trouble. Um, but, you know, the, yeah, it started off as something, a commentary on. Atomic yeah. weapons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And from the country that had the right on it. Right. right, so it's a big political statement. I think that, uh, you know, I talked to some fans online uh, talking about these episodes in movies, and I hear people say things like, you know, let's keep, you know, politics out of our movies. Let's keep social commentary out. And I'm like, then you would have bad movies. I mean, I'm I, sorry, but they, they, they eke their way in and they become, you know, a nugget of time. Now, when you go back and watch this movie and put yourself in that context, you're thinking of all the things people were dealing with on a daily basis and it makes the movie better and more interesting. Well, and I, I've had this <laughs> argument with people because, uh, you know, selling my movies and trying to you, know, you get these people to come up and like, I really wish people would just leave politics out of out of <laughs> movies. And I'm like, name a movie that wasn't political. It's like art Hard is to, sort yeah. of inherently political because mm -hmm. it's the it's created by people, right? right. And you, you you can't keep your your personal views and stuff out of things. Uh, plus, it's a platform to talk about those things. So why would you? You know? Yeah. Uh, I get offended when people are like. Uh, you know, say, uh, I actually got an, you know, an online fight. You shouldn't do this, right? But everyone <laughs> does it. Uh, with a guy who was just like, um, it was it was celebrities talking about, like, the Mueller report, right? Yeah. And some guy posted something like, you know, you're a celebrity, shut the hell up, dance for me, monkey, kind of a thing. And I was like, I just went off on the guy. But you're like, <laughs> dude, these people don't exist for your entertainment. Yeah. And just because they're entertainers doesn't give them you know, mean that they can't have an opinion. It's right. like, well, what do you do that's so important that you're allowed an opinion? Right. You know, yeah. it's right. like what you work at a that logic a, falls a, apart. There. Yeah, it's yeah. like you work at some corporate office or you're a mechanic. What makes you more qualified than a person who happens to make art? Right. Uh, but yeah, it's like, how do you, how do you distance? I mean, so I asked this guy to go back to this guy. Asked, <laughs> um, he said, I said, name a, name a movie 
that has no politics. And he's like, I don't know, like the 80s, you had like that, that BMX movie, Rad. And I'm like, oh, you mean that one where where the uh, big corporation was trying to take away their... All the 80s you know, movies. It's like, it's like, yeah. it's like break dancing where they're trying, the corporations are trying to take away their, their uh, uh, community center, you know, and they yeah. put on a dance competition or whatever. It's like, like, art's important too. You're watching it right now. Right, yeah. exactly. It's, it's like, like yeah. no, you can't, you can't, there's, there's very few, yeah. uh, there are very few movies out there that doesn't have at least a little politics in it. It's impossible. Yeah. You get a lot of it with the Star Trek community, too. It's like, oh, yeah. why, why does you have to make this new Star Trek so political and stuff? It's like, did you ever watch the original? Have you ever watched it's any Star Trek? It's <laughs> political, and it's just a different point of view from the time. Yeah. My theory is that a lot of times we're comfortable with dealing with social issues so long as they're in the past. Right. So, like, if we see a movie that's about something bad that happened in America, but it was 200 years ago, right. we feel comfortable like oh that's not about me but what's scarier is when it's political commentary and what's happening now so I feel like some of those people that argue with you it's almost like they're thinking of it from today them doesn't bother them because the atomic bomb is no just, longer it, it becomes it's yeah. almost fantasy yeah, at this point right it's part even of though history. it's still a still a thing yeah it can still <laughs> it's happen scary. it's just we have no point of reference beyond the mm -hmm. movies and history, right? Yeah, and I'm sure when that movie came out back then, and it was more in the present pop culture consciousness, mm -hmm. there were people that were probably like, I don't want to watch that movie, or I don't want to no. watch movies about mm -hmm. the atomic bomb. That was too close, you know? Well, so. well, and I think, honestly, the other thing, too, is when people say, I want politics out of movies, yeah. they really want, they're really saying, I want a particular brand of politics right, out right. of movies I mean, it's because I don't agree with that particular brand <laughs> yeah. of politics. Yeah. <laughs> I want more of my politics in movies <laughs> and less, less of yours. yours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's I would like, agree well, with that. Then make your own. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down go. to. Make your own. See if that hits. Yeah, um, and it, see make how your well own it does. ant movie. Yeah, make your own <laughs> ant movie. Right. So you if jerk. you take away <laughs> anything from this podcast, it's make your own ant. Make movie. your own ant movie if you don't like this one. <laughs> that's what we're here to say today. That's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah no, I just um, even. Earlier, you were talking about the girl um, in the beginning that doesn't speak, mm -hmm. and I thought so much about Newt, you know, mm -hmm. and aliens to go back to yep. that, um, and how that it's such an effective tool, like an innocent little mm -hmm. child that is, um, you know, struggling with PTSD, it seems yeah. like, um, just makes it so much more frightening because you're looking at it from their perspective and what could have happened to you, silence. You, you them. get the terror from mm -hmm. her. And having her not have the ability to tell you what happened yeah. makes it that much scarier. Right. You, you still don't the worst. know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the poster, you know it's giant ants. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, again, that that's going back to that very first scene of setting the tone, setting yeah. the, just the, the, that sense of something bad happened, but we're not sure what it is. And the more you sort of pull back on that, you see how bad it looks, right? Yeah. And it just seems... I don't know, it gets scarier and scarier. That first like five to 10 minutes yeah. really, I think pulls you right in. I agree, yeah. And if it doesn't, I don't know what to do, you know, to help yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think you're right. Like on the poster, you can see that you're gonna see giant ants, but I'm sure people walking in were probably like, I mean, that doesn't sound scary. Maybe they were even like, I've seen the Ray Harryhausen stuff, you know, stuff and think, uh -huh. oh, it's gonna be fun creatures to yeah. look at. And then instead it's a horror movie. Like and I, I think that's really cool to support. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be, say, a ten year old kid going to see that movie. Yeah. Uh, because you know it's a fifties, so you can see anything, right? Because it's got the <laughs> Hayes Code stuff, so we're fine, everything's good. Right. Um, but going into that, again with the idea of nuclear war just kind of like, you know, duck and cover and it's just it's it's ever ever prevalent right? yeah probably very scary for a child <laughs> yeah to like go and see that movie would have been like this is awesome but at the same time i would i mean 
I mean, You're much more innocent compared to now, right? And I, mean, I was just like, like yeah. it's mid to late 60s is probably when I saw it the first uh-huh. time. Uh, we were still doing duck and cover drills yeah. in yeah. school. So uh, it was more for earthquakes in California. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah by then. But, but yeah, it's, just, it's I, so I, scary. I imagine, like, you know, we, we're jaded. We've seen so much stuff because we're inundated with so many, so like, much so much content. But to be back then when all you had was like you know science fiction magazines and the movies really um and tv was still very much not in every home you know i mean you had radio or whatever but a lot of this i can only imagine how scary it was and that was you know my dad really liked this movie and i think it because it scared the crap out of him when he was a kid Uh, because that was the thing he always said is he always he grew up on a small town in minnesota and he would skip out on his farm chores and go to the local theater and see movies uh and then try to lie to his mom you know about it but then he'd have nightmares or he wouldn't be able to go to bed and she's like i know what you were doing that's awesome and he'd get in trouble for it um because he would you know go see these terrible movies uh and he loved it that's although awesome. this is not a terrible movie but yeah although i suppose so yeah well i don't think he ever saw this one in the theater and if he did it was like a Re-release. That's another thing I feel like people that are younger don't know about is just that, you know, you didn't have VHS, so you would wait for your favorite movies to just come back to the theater. I mean, that was the only way you could see them. Well, and... Or show up on TV. Or show up on TV, yeah. Well, I know with my dad, like, you know, the town he lived in was so small, the theater did not get the good stuff. (laughs) So he ended up seeing just random weird stuff uh, that that's what they could get. Yeah. The town had, I think, 200 people. And I think there's an attitude, too, of some of these movies. It's like, this is just entertainment. You're just coming here to see this, to have fun tonight. Not necessarily, like, today where it's so serious. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm walking into, you know, something that's going to be an Oscar winner. It's yeah, like, right, you're right. just like, I just want to go have fun tonight. So yeah. I'm just going to go see a movie, you well, know. And I think that's part of, <laughs> to, to talk about myself, I think that's part of the reason why my movies are, I do the movies I, I, I do, is I just, uh, not that they are free from politics. They're not. I mean, they're really not. Uh, but I just, I like the idea of just going to the movies and having a good time. Oh, sure. Uh, and I'm not trying to make Oscar caliber films. Right. Uh, and I mean, even them, like, there's some social commentary, but it's not like they're, like, pulling the camera aside and saying, no, here's what right. I really think about the atomic right, right. You know, like, it's still about giant ants. Yeah. And I like well, that. <laughs> and science fiction is is great at, you know, allegory. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, you talk about Star Trek and people are like, I don't want politics in Star Trek. Then it wouldn't be Star Trek. Let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. Um, yeah. And because it's all about allegory. And that was the beauty of science fiction and horror is that you can do these things and it just seems like, you know, kid stuff or whatever. And there's uh, some distance too. So yeah. you can kind of be like, oh, I thought about that in a different way without right. feeling like looking around and wondering who you're going to yeah. argue with. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and even, even talking about science fiction of that age, uh, you had, you know, say writers, like women who were yeah. writing science fiction, but they couldn't even give their name, but they were able to do it under a, uh, you know. Star Trek, DC yeah. found talent. Right. Yeah. So you and, went by DC because you couldn't get hired right. as a female. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, but yeah, this, this movie's ab- like, again, it's absolutely one of my favorites of the era. Yeah. Um, Creature from Black Lagoon, Them, um, this Island Earth is still one of my favorites, even though it's not a great movie. It's hard to explain. It's just like it's such a great piece of that era. When you know? worlds collide. I always think yep. of MST3K for yeah. This Island Earth. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, the the War of the Worlds uh, is is from that era. Is still, I think the best version they've they've made cinematically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but this one definitely. When people ask, "What's your favorite one?" Them is always first. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely watch it again. Um, I walked into it kind of not knowing what to think. I kind of did, you know, I had that expectation of like, oh, this is going to be just big ants, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> like I didn't really know. Because on its face, it just seems really <laughs> sort of stupid, right? It's yeah, like, like, ooh, giant ants, ants oh, scary. Then. And it's like, it, it is true. I feel like the further we get away from it, that's why Aliens was effective, because it's like, we can't keep doing that. Let's figure out a way to, in a modern lens, like what would be scarier? Oh, outer space. You yeah, know? yeah. And so you, you can see kind of where that, but without this, you wouldn't have any of those movies. And well, we uh, went to the moon, and from that point forward, it's like, everything's space. Yes, well, that's they, true. Killed they, the cowboy they, genre. They, Kill, you know, yeah. like a, a change of possibilities. Right, yeah. right. Uh, this was 1954. Like I said, we're within 10 years of having actually blown up an atomic bomb. We still don't know what's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. It's now 2020. We're pretty sure that animals don't mutate and become giant because of the problems dropping in them. So that's a good point. That yeah. fear is not plausible. Um, so, guys, what uh, what keeps you coming back to this movie? Kind of summarize what we've been talking about. What, why do you think you've seen it as many times as you? I have? really do think it's just the quality of of the narrative. The the like I said, the the cinematography is great. Uh, the story is is it's a, it holds up to modern audiences. Some of those old movies, like the pacing, can be really really slow. Um, you start the more you start watching some of those old movies, you start seeing more of the flaws. I think with this one, I just, it, it holds up very well. It's still of the era. I mean, not to say it's like, you know, you're not gonna watch it and be like, wow, I've seen something I've never seen before. No, you're still gonna see the giant, you know, cheesy ants, but um, everything else about it, I feel like really holds up over time. It's just like, it's uh, the, the mood, the the pacing, the, the story, um, even some of the special effects and, and you know the, the 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 ending scenes where they're they're in the tunnels. You know, trying to it's just it's cool. That's it's so like tense when they're yeah. on the walkie talkies. Clear, yeah. clear. Ten miles in, clear. I'm like, yeah. Ugh. it's like it's just, it's, again, it's, good at the everything suspense. about it is it's it's a quality film um, that I feel like deserves more attention mm-hmm. than it gets. Because uh, I think when when people talk about sort of classics of that era, um, they don't really bring this one up, and I feel mm-hmm. like it it needs to be brought up more. Mm. I like that. What about you, Michael? It's a giant ant movie. Why wouldn't you go back? (laughs) (laughs) I I grew up on that stuff. I love it. It's anytime it's like, oh wow, there's them or there's creature or there's bang, I'll watch it instantly. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun movie to watch. Like as much as we're saying, you know how how great it is, and it is great. It's also fun to go back and revisit. So I got a lot of great action sequences for especially that era where Mm -hmm. they really. They really up the action quotient in a way that I can't think of many other movies from that era that really has sustained action sequences like mm-hmm. this. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it drags you, it pulls you right in in the first few minutes. Whereas I think some older films are more of a slow burn yeah. uh, into the plot. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, how would you pitch this movie to somebody? Like me, I mean, f- with me it was easy. We're like, we both picked this. <laughs> we're gonna, um, we're gonna do this. You should probably watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, how do you pitch it to somebody that hasn't seen it before? Wow, uh, somebody's never <laughs> seen them. Well, it, it's a giant Imagine ant that movie, kind of person. but it's yeah, really yeah. well. What's wrong with that? It's a really well-made giant ant movie. Yeah. The direction is great. The cinematography is great. The acting is really good. Check it out. I think for me, I, like it. It, I usually go the route of like, um, I get asked all the time, you know, why do you make these, you know, t- white, kinds yeah. of movies, uh, and I'll often say, you know, I'll use them as an example of why. You know, yeah. it's like. Um, because a lot of folks, too, if they've never really experienced sort of that era of 
cinema uh, that are looking more toward you know the sci-fi uh, horror part of it I usually say well see a movie like Ant, uh, like Ants like not Ants not the... Ants that's a different movie <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the Woody that... Allen one <laughs> yeah the Woody Allen <laughs> um, no uh, I say see, uh, see a movie like them it'll really show you exactly what is possible uh, because I think the general perception of that era is Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's it's like really bad cheesy movies with awful acting. And this is like, this has none of that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, no, no, no. If you want to see a really good example of why I love that genre and what it's worth, see them. Because I feel like there's so much in it that still, like, again, holds up and, and feels relevant to modern audiences and their expectations of film mm -hmm. uh, and, and sci-fi and, and horror and action movies that it's like, no, see that and you'll understand better that probably your perception of what that era of cinema is, is wrong. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Both films we talked about this weekend. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Again, same absolutely. thing, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like it's two, two of the absolute best of that, that era. I think before this movie, my frame of reference for a giant ant was Auntie from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> Isn't that his name, Auntie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's still a part of me seeing this movie that's like, the ants are cute. Remember Auntie? But like that was the first time I ever saw But like, ants a giant are creature. terrifying to a I certain know, but extent. But Auntie was very nice. He's basically a big dog. One ant to um. be from Ant Man. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, ants, uh, I mean, ants are kind of a. That's the thing I think that it does well is it sort of shows how, you know, ants are tiny and you can just squish them and no one cares. But if you were to blow them up to that size, they could be horrifying. really destroy a lot. Yeah. yeah. And they're so organized yeah. and smart and they've got their own little communication systems. Yep. And that's frightening. You yeah. Know? Uh, but yeah, no, I would say I, I agree with both of what you guys are saying. I think I would um, just say you need to go back and watch the classics. I always say that on these episodes, especially when we talk about something around this era. Um, I think there's a perception of those films until you see them and that breaks that perception. Yeah, and, I, and again, I, like I was saying, <laughs> I think a lot of the perception, if you really haven't seen a lot of them, is Plan 9 from Outer Space. Right, it's a, that's probably mine. Yeah. Well, it is MS3TK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what people think of as yep. these movies. Like, like, no, they're purposely picking the absolute worst yeah. of right. this era of <laughs> yeah. film. And yeah, but, but it's true. Yeah, you're, it's kind of like I used to always say my frame of reference for what the 50s must have been like is from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this stylized, cartoonish version. And then, so I feel like a lot of people, their frame of reference for 50s and 60s movies is from more modern movies, mm -hmm. poking fun at those movies. Right. And so they don't haven't really taken the time to watch them. Right. Yeah. But there are a lot of really good movies from that era you just have to get past some of the the special effects and stuff that really if you're sort of brought up on modern special effects you're you have to step out of that right you yeah. have to accept that okay yeah this is just a giant puppet <laughs> you know <laughs> but that's okay if you can do that and just let yourself go into a movie and, and be taken by a story yeah uh, i think you know and i think if we're more honest with ourselves even today there's a lot of stuff we overlook in movies today oh yeah right? that's i mean really bad. you kind of have to tell yourself like yeah i kind of in the back of my mind, know in this scene of Avengers, they're in a green room and they're well, just yeah. you know, jumping around. I was even watching Thor yeah. Ragnarok last night, and like there are parts where there's an obvious switch from you yeah. know, the actor to a digital puppet, basically, yeah. that looks fake, right? And you right. just accept it because, oh, it's, you know, all the rest of this is good. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
I don't I don't know why we accept that. Right. But it's somehow like, you look at the you know some of these old movies and be like, nah, it's just a dude in a suit. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, it is. Obviously. How is it any different than that moment whatever. when Chris Hemsworth <laughs> yeah. suddenly is not Chris yeah. Hemsworth? Right. We, we, we couldn't find a gill man to actually play right. the part. Exactly. <laughs> Several of them available, but they couldn't act. Yeah. Well, let's be Gilman. honest. The gill man suit is yeah. still higher quality than some of the CGI you see in some of the highest it budget. It is. I mean, it literally is. It is yeah. so good. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out uh, in these trying times <laughs> these trying to times. record an episode. Well, honestly, um, uh, all con got shut down. I didn't really have much yeah, else to do. I know. So. Same here. I was like, well, you're here till Sunday, so, yep, so I'm going to do another one. Let's get some more. <laughs> Trapped at the car. I know. So, um, but yeah, thank you guys. And anything you want to plug really fast before I stop recording? Uh, just, you know, check out my movies on uh, Amazon Prime. I have a Roku channel now that, that has all my films called Drive-In Monsters. Just search for Drive-In Monsters and you'll see it or search for my last name, Mim, M-I-H-M. Uh, go to my website, SaintEuphoria.com. Um, you know, check out my movies. Um, watch them on Amazon Prime in particular if you have Amazon Prime because I get a cent an hour. So if you watch <laughs> one of my movies, I get 1.2 cents. Nice. Or buy the physical media. Buy yeah. the media. I have it. I have Blu-rays now. I got DVDs. If you're old school enough to want to own it, own it. Because the thing with Amazon in particular is they're slowly dropping my movies, so eventually they will not be there. Okay. Well, guys, um, I'm sure I'll have you both back soon. I, I feel yeah. like we record a few times a year. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.